Shannon Kaysen's Homemade Stories is proud to have the Lagunitas Brewing Company as a sponsor. The first time I went to Lagunitas Circus was in Petaluma, California. They invited me out to be a part of it all. Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment met me out there and we hung out. Uh, Lagunitas Circus is like a, a huge circus event with beer, of course, and costumes and performers and burlesque and almost too much fun to handle at once. You see things that you can't unsee. That sounds scary, but I mean that in a good way. Lagunitas Circus tickets are available now at Lagunitas.com. There's tour dates in London, Seattle, Chicago, and Petaluma. I'm going to the Chicago Circus this year, so I'll see you there if you come out. Lagunitas, beer speaks, people mumble. Enjoy the show. 300 friends. That's the initial goal for the spring 2019 campaign for homemade stories. And it's been 10 years. 10 years I've been telling stories and podcasting, and I'm still telling stories and podcasting. Go to shannoncason.com to be one of the first supporters of the show. When you support homemade stories, I call you a friend. Friends are first to jump in. And get this, for every reward level, the Knight Foundation is matching your support of the show. Now that's a cool friend for you. For the spring 2019 campaign, we have some cool rewards. New t-shirt designs, new mug designs, Homemade Stories Detroit box. That's a bunch of Homemade Stories stuff and a bunch of Detroit stuff, all from sponsors and Michigan-based businesses. It's pretty cool. One-on-ones to help you with your storytelling or podcast, or even become a part of the show. So be a friend, go to shannoncason.com and be one of the initial 300 friends. And remember, whatever level you back me, the Knight Foundation is matching your support. Now that's a big deal. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Homemade Stories, number 106. I'm Shannon Kaysen. Coming up, most people have a home. Some people have one home that they were raised in or multiple different homes, like living with mom, then living with dad based on breakups or divorce, or live in a home, like I mean like a shelter or with other family, many different ways. But there's some place we relate to as home in some way. For me, I had three places that I call home at one time or another. My purpose with this episode is to create a setting I've always wanted to do a group of episodes on one subject, and I'm choosing a subject that's near to my heart, family. So this episode means a lot to me because I think it's important to document your family in your own words, interview everyone while you still have everyone around. And this episode creates a setting for corresponding episodes. Also to go along with each of these episodes, there'll be a blog post at shannoncason.com with pictures and more stories and more. Um, so, so check that out. So, so maybe you can relate to some of my three home story or memory or whatever you want to call this, because I'll be honest, most of my friends growing up grew up like this. Most of us either live with our mom or grandma or both and move from time to time. 
So listen to this episode and listen for more information in the outro as well. And I hope you enjoy. I recognized three homes growing up in Detroit. One on the northwest side of Detroit, one in a small city downriver of Detroit called Ecorse, and one in southwest Detroit. Homes live, they have lives, apart from the ones that live inside. The people, the spiders, the worms, the tiny things crawling and the larger things walking. The home seems to stand still, but it moves slow. It speaks and moans and laughs. It has an identity and demeanor. It's born and dies. The first home I met was on the northwest side of Detroit. It smiled with my family when I first arrived. I was its first baby. I had my first memory in it. I sat on the couch, diapers and thighs and feet all together not taking up a quarter of the cushion top. My mom was young and beautiful. We would always laugh together. And that was my first memory, my mom laughing in the living room of that home on the northwest side of Detroit. From the couch when I look around, I see my feet in the brown couch and a wood coffee table and lamps with amber glass bases, and a large TV cabinet with clear plastic knobs, squares of small windows making up one large window with thick red curtains, the foyer door blocking the cold of the front door just out of sight. On the wall over the TV was one painting, a dark naked woman standing tall in a velvet shadow, Afro-perfect. She only wore a thick gold choker and gold earrings. She held a spear and a strong, wise grin that said everything's going to be all right. She was the face of our home. She kept out intruders. She softened sharp corners on the furniture. She protected me every time I fell from upstairs to the bottom stair. She bound all the monsters in one room in the basement. I slept comfortable in my own room alone, my mom and dad in their room, my sister upstairs, all safe. As I got older, I started to notice how beautiful she was. She was beautiful in a different way than my mother. My feet could reach the floor now, and when I sat on the couch, I would stare at her. I didn't know the feeling, but it felt good. She smelled like musty weed smoke. Murphy's hairdressing pomade and used Crisco oil in a can and dishwasher liquid bubble baths. I've been down one time. I grew up in her presence, but she showed me that there was a vast difference between woman and man. And I was just a boy, and she was a woman. She was definitely all woman. The family in the room shuffled. My sister moved in with my mom. My dad moved upstairs. I kept my room. I didn't understand then, but now I know that the dark naked woman with the spear had no power over these things. When me and my mom and my sister left, 
I wasn't mad at her. I was just bothered that she didn't do anything. Anything at all. She only grinned. Everything's gonna be all right. We moved to the next house I considered home in Ecorse, a place I had been many times, but not as my home. I knew that house as grandma's home. Now it was mine too. This home was a holy home. I wasn't much familiar with sin yet at seven years old, but I got a quick boot camp lesson from grandma early on. We pray when we wake. We pray before we eat. If you start eating and forget to pray, you say, forgive me God, and bless the food with a Jesus wept and eat. The living room is where adults sit occasionally, but kids never, period. Upstairs belongs to your uncle and auntie. Even though your uncle doesn't live here anymore, it's still your uncles and aunties. There's really no need for you to ever go up there. If grandma is sitting at the dining room table reading the newspaper, the Bible, or just staring off into space with a cup of Tang, Sanka, or General Foods International coffees, <laughs> my job is silence. It was home, but there was a firm reminder that this was grandma's home. There was no place that was actually mine. I treated it like a small New York apartment. I lived minimally and I spent most of my time outside with my friends. So add another bullet to the sin list, no outside company. The basement was a place to escape the holiness. I would hide nudie books that I would bring from what was now my dad's house where the dark naked lady with the spear now smirked at me. And I hide those in old refrigerators in the basement and I would play rap music and dance in the basement. It was damp and full of spiders, but it was the only privacy I had. After dinner, we sat down to watch the Cosby show. Me, my mom, and my sister lived in a bedroom in the back of the house. I had two drawers and a dresser that I could call my own. I kept clothes in one, and in the other, I kept things like cassette tapes and broken headphones and playing cards, pocket change and stuff. I spent the next eight years making an unbreakable bond with my mom, living in the same small space until I was 15. Being a mama's boy was no choice. I slept next to my mom till I was 15, or on the ground next to the bed. My grandma and sister had their room, my uncle and auntie had upstairs. Granddad had under the dining room table or the RV in the backyard or he wasn't home. And I had two drawers and a dresser in the corner of the bed. We watched Cliff and Claire and Theo and Vanessa and Rudy and sometimes Denise. And I asked my mom, are they rich? She said, no, they're middle class. What are we? She told me middle class. I felt pride in that. Family died. First my granddad. I started sleeping in the dining room sometimes with my older cousin who moved in. 
Then my other grandma died. My dad's mom. That grandma owned the house not far from this grandma's house. And it became my third home. The last place I considered home. There wasn't much for us to move. I only had two drawers full of stuff. So we had to buy everything new. My mom and sister did an amazing job getting all the old people's stuff out of the house. First, the exterminator. Old people have a higher tolerance when it comes to things crawling around their homes. Then the wallpaper and the green walls. Old people love green and wallpaper with those velvety fur flowers on them. Then remove all that furniture. It was all old people furniture. And all the plants had to go, old people and their plants. By the time they were done, we were moving into a contemporary house with peach carpet and whitewashed wood furniture and peach walls and a white sectional couch and glass coffee table with those big massive vases that young grownups liked so much at that time with peach flowers towering up and out. The last touch was black bars on all the windows. I got to choose the color to paint my room. I went with brown and brown furniture. And I got a water bed and brown bed sheets. Monochromatic was a thing back then. I hadn't had my own bed since I was seven. That's what I told my mom when she saw the price of the waterbed. Seven, ma. I laid on the bed at the waterbed store, head and feet with shoes on, floating on top of the mattress at the store. I want this bed, ma. Two months later, I hated that bed. Who can sleep like they're floating on a pool toy? I slept like I was used to sleeping on the floor next to the bed. For all the two years that I called that house home until I went to college. But it was my bed. Three homes, three different living and breathing family members that I go to visit from time to time. Okay, so that's setting the scene for this series of family stories, a group of stories dedicated to documenting my family. Go to my blog at shannoncason.com to see pictures from the three homes, that dark naked uh, uh, lady in the velvet painting, she's there, and more. And I wanna encourage you to document your own family too. Pull out your recorder, your notebook, the app on your phone, and get some thoughts out about the homes that you grew up in. Make sure you do that. The next homemade stories is going to be next week. I'm going to go weekly during the campaign. And if you show strong enough support, I'll be able to do more and more episodes all year. Support homemade stories campaign at shannoncasing.com. 
I'm looking for 300 friends to quickly join in. Uh, we can do this. Today's episode was produced by Robert Anderson and me, Shannon Kaysen. Thank you to all the friends of Homemade Stories. Thank you to Lagunitas Brewing Company. And thank you to the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation. All right, see you next week. Peace. Mm, mm. Now that's homemade.